Hi, everybody. Welcome to iq for You, the podcast where we talk about risk, sometimes specifically cyber risk, sometimes risk in general. Um, I'm Dr. Tamara Schwartz. I am here alone in the studio. Well, not completely alone. I've got my producer, Chris, here with me. Um, but Dr. James Norrie is on hiatus today. Um, so what do we have in store for you today? What do I have in store for you today? Uh, I grew up with a dad who was a, t- a Star Trek Trekkie, and, uh, and so I have been watching Star Trek through the years, and, and we know we've got this new Star Trek episode with Picard on that's, that's now a special, special series, and my favorite analogy to use for today's environment is the concept of the Borg. You will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. And so what do I mean by that? Well, we will talk about that in our first segment. We look forward to the discussion. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Tamara Schwartz, and this is IQ for You. Um, so I, I told you we're going to go Trekkie today. Um, when I talk about cyberspace, and, and you've heard me say before that um, I, I think of cyberspace as this newosphere where we're all trying to um, engage with one another intellectually, and, and you and I are trying to get into cyberspace right now, and you're getting we're getting there together through cyberspace because podcasts are a digital mechanism for us to have this conversation. Um, And so one of the things that I I talk about is that we have all become cyborg without paying attention. Um, You remember seven of nine with her little, her little eye patch thing of, of, of digital stuff. And, and she had had various nodes of things and she'd have to plug herself in at night. I mean, we're not quite that yet, that yet, although there are folks who are. Um, one of the things that has come out of Afghanistan is these th- this concept of neural prosthetics. Neural prosthetics are computer, computer stuff linked to our nervous system that enables our brain to control how this prosthetic arm or prosthetic leg works. Um, So it's fascinating technology. Um, But I'm going to go a little less cyborg than that. And I usually talk about organizations and how organizations have become cyborg. Um, We we know from from, uh, any sort of McKinsey reports or insurance estimates that the number one global risk for businesses is cyber risk. And part of that is because of the way we perceive ourselves. Um, We look in the mirror and we see ourselves as human holding a tool in our hand, a phone or a a watch or maybe an earpiece. Um, But we've gone much farther than just holding tools in our hand and using tools. Um, So, for example, we have... A huge digital footprint that we personally, I, I have a huge digital footprint that if I turned every device off I own today, I would still have an enormous digital footprint because of other people's behavior. So companies that collect information on me when I purchase something in their store, um, my employer who has a database my services in my home who have databases of information about where I live and how much, you, how much power I consume, how much gas I consume, how much uh, water, um, all of these things create these digital footprints 
all over the place. And, and I walk with a phone in my pocket, and now I'm, I'm leaving digital dust behind me. You've heard me talk about um, mobile tracking in, in previous episodes. Uh, mobile tracking, all of these things create a, another version of ourselves. So there's me in the physical world, but there's also a, a me, a Dr. Tamara Schwartz, a Tammy Schwartz, a Tammy in cyberspace. And depending on who's using that information, it can be very good. It can be very bad. Um, it just is, right? Like all things, it, it's good or bad depending on who is going to take that data, who is going to take that tech, and how they're going to employ it. Um, so how do companies become cyborg? What are some of the characteristics of a cyborg organization? Um, think about if you've seen the movie Wreck-It Ralph, um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Have you ever seen that one, Chris? <laughs> so um, Ralph breaks the internet. Ralph goes, he, he leaves his video game, and he goes out there into the internet. And you can tell when the movie is in the digital realm versus in the real realm because of the nature of the graphics in the, in the movie. And so when Ralph is out there in cyberspace, you know that he's there because everything is pixelated. And so there's a pixelated Starbucks, and there's little bots running around having conversations, and there's a pixelated version of, I mean, pick your favorite store, it's all out there. And so a piece of how we become cyborg as organizations is things like our electronic storefronts, things like um, our social media relationships, um, online online capabilities are a big piece of it. Um, but it's beyond that. We also, the Internet of Things, right? We hear about the Internet of Things all the time, and I don't know what the latest statistics are, but it's millions and millions and billions of devices that are going to be connected to the Internet in the next 10 years. Um, and so what that, I, I, I have this um, story that I tell my students. I say, imagine that you have a business, and somebody comes to you, and they say, have I got a deal for you? with this fabulous wisma, <laughs> widget and this delightful gizmo, you can increase your operations so that you generate more revenue, you have higher production levels, you have lower costs, you have better insight into what's going on in your operations. It is fabulous. And you go, oh, where, where can I get one? Sign me up. And then I have to say, well, you know, the fine print, you know, you, you know how they go really super fast at the end of the uh, pharmaceutical commercials, and they, oh, you're going to die, and you're going to this, and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they talk so fast that you're, you're, if if you can manage to key in on some words, my daughter always says to me when she hears this, she goes, "Why would anyone take that drug, mom?" <laughs> she says, according to all of that language, that my daughter's ADHD, so she can actually hear when people speak that fast. <laughs> and so the fine print is. So there's one little drawback to this wonderful gizmo and this fabulous widget, and that is that while you're making all those great changes to your operations that make you more profitable and cost you less and you're more productive and all of these great, wonderful things, anybody who wants to come into your organization off the street can use that same widget and gizmo to make themselves money to make themselves more profitable. And if they want to take those gadgets and turn them on their head and point them at you so that you can't be profitable, they can do that too. Suddenly, those widgets and gizmos sound a whole lot less interesting. 
But because we are still in this, um, what I call a resource-based view framework, that's a really popular, if you've been to business school, you've heard of the resource-based view, um, even if you've been in an undergraduate program or a associate's program. Resource-based view looks at all resources and capabilities as being the sole custody of the person who possesses them. Now, other people might possess similar resources and capabilities, and you can go head-to-head in the marketplace. But never before have our resources and capabilities not been under our exclusive ownership. So what I mean by that is anybody who has the capacity to access those resources and capabilities that you've created through your internet-connected devices and your storefronts and your databases can also use those capabilities and resources. They are not yours alone. And so every time you put a sensor on some sort of part of your operation, every time you introduce another database to collect information from your customers or about your employees, every time you put another robot on your manufacturing line, you create a node into your network. Um, one of my favorite stories is about the, the casino who decided to automate fish tank maintenance. This casino was, um, you know, the poor, poor Bob, the fish tank cleaner, he, he, didn't, he lost his job because someone said, hey, if we put this sensor on the fish tank, then the computer will know when, the, when we need to run the cleaning equipment. The, the thing will all be, always be clean. We won't have to worry about whether Bob's out sick. And who'd want to hack a fish tank, right? Who cares about a fish tank? Who cares about a light bulb? So there's a lot of stuff that's being connected to the Internet of Things, which we never, ever thought anyone would want to hack. So casino automates fish tank cleaning and somebody enterprising, because when you put an unsecured node on a secure network, guess what? Anybody can get into your network if they go in through that unsecured node. And so here's this, this casino, they, some, some enterprising hacker comes in and they go to the casino and they say, hey, look, we're going to get into the network through this fish tank, the fish tank sensor. Nobody secured the fish tank sensor. Nobody thought they needed to. Well, guess what the most valuable commodity at the casino is? Cha-ching, cha-ching, it's money, right? And so one of the things that we also tend to forget is that money is not physical. Money is ones and zeros. And so once something becomes ones and zeros... So our entire monetary system is not a physical construct. It is a virtual, it is a cyber construct because it is all digital. Gone are the days where we were paying one another with hard currency that was printed at the mint. I mean, we still use cash, but there are, there are whole societies that are going cashless. So the casino lost, we don't know how much money the casino lost because, of course, they didn't publish that, but there was something to the effect of several petabytes of data that were excavated from the casino through the fish tank sensor to some place in, um, I think it was Norway. I'm not exactly sure which country it was, but the point being, a casino lost a ton of something important through a fish tank sensor because they chose to just connect it. There are currently no tools to do these trade-offs, to do these trade-offs about how do, as we become more cyborg, how do we begin to pay attention to our vulnerabilities and our threat vectors? So um, 
if this is something interesting to you, if you are interested in trying to get an understanding of what you look like, how cyborg you are, um, I have a, a paper that I wrote. It's called um, the IBIT Report. Um, IBIT Report, the cyber-based view of the firm, a framework for survival in the information age, and we will make a link available to that paper on our website. Um, so I think we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about a very specific example of going cyborg. iq for You is brought to you by CyberCon IQ, a patent-pending cybersecurity awareness learning platform that is based on behavioral science. CyberCon IQ understands that every individual's learning journey is different, so why should everyone receive the same training program? At the heart of the CyberCon IQ solution is a personal style assessment. By first understanding the workplace persona of each individual in an organization, CyberCon IQ then delivers a personally curated cybersecurity education that teaches employees to recognize the cyber threats they are most susceptible to. Visit CyberConIQ.com for more information on this revolutionary learning platform. All right, everybody, welcome back. So we're going to finish up today with a story of, that was in the news that ties into my concept of how we are all becoming cyborg and uh, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Um, October 8th, there was an article about Waymo. Waymo is um, Google's company. They, they, they're spinoff from Google. They are driverless cars. Um, and so the, the headline on this article, Waymo's driverless taxi service now available to the public in Phoenix. So Waymo is uh, under the parent company of Alphabet. It's going to begin offering rides in minivans with no human attendant on board to drive you around. So this gets into a couple of interesting things that we like to talk about here. One is risk, right? Do we feel comfortable jumping into a robot-driven car? And, um, and I always have to remind myself when I think about robot-driven cars that there's a bunch of technologies that are out there already that we're using that tie into to this concept of, of a driverless taxi, a driverless car. Um, so Waymo's going to have access to anyone who wants to download their smartphone app, and I guess it's a 50-square-mile radius in Phoenix. Um, so what is it that's out there, right? We're already becoming cyborg, and again, cyborg sneaks up on you. Um, has anyone seen the Subaru commercial, the recent Subaru commercial, where they have a new safety feature that if you become inattentive or a child runs out in front of you, the car will stop itself? So that's one. That's a recent one. Those are commercials. We were just watching that one the, uh, the other night, which takes me on a whole other rant about the fact that I'm paying for a subscription to television and now I have to watch commercials. <laughs> I can't skip over them. I've never had to, uh, you know, used to pay for the advantage of not watching commercials. But anyway, that's a, that's a rant for another day. Um, so that commercial with the, with the technology that will, the safety technology that will help you when you're inattentive. Um, a few years ago, back in, I don't know, I want to say like 2014, um, there was a television show I used to watch and this was when they started immersing. There was this period of time, like in 
2013 to 2015, where they were always immersing cars in television programs and talking about the features. So two characters would get into some sort of car and they'd say, hey, it it has this great interconnection with the radio or hey. And so one of those cars, I don't remember which one it was, but it would park itself. It did the self-parking. So you would pull up along the curb and you'd let go of the steering wheel and it would parallel park for you because humans are notoriously bad at that in urban settings. Okay, so both of those features are sensors that enable self-driving cars. And, oh, by the way, they're putting them in as safety features. So when the human driver is bad, we're going to have safety features that are autopilot to compensate for us as bad drivers. So if you take that, that if you've, if you've driven in one of those two kinds of cars, that is the beginning of shifting us from a social perspective to being comfortable with the idea of not being in command of the vehicle we're behind the wheel in. So that's one thing that, that is out there. Um, the other piece that I, and, and this I kind of have to remind myself, every time I get in an airplane, it's on autopilot for the vast majority of the flight. And so if I'm comfortable being in an airplane that's on autopilot, why would I not be comfortable behind the wheel of a car that's on autopilot? Or in, the, in this case, now I'm in a taxi, so I'm in the back seat of a car that has no driver. Um, if you've ever driven, if you're an American and you're, or someone who's on a, um, a left drive car and you've ever gone to the UK or Ireland or Japan where you wind up in a... Um, in a, in a car where it's a right-hand drive car, but you're sitting in the left seat and you have no steering wheel and no pedals, it is, it, it's terrifying. I can only ride in the back seat when, or the driver's seat when I'm in those countries because this, this sitting in the seat with no control over the vehicle is very stressful for me. Um, and I have a daughter who's going to be turning 16 in a couple of years. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> Um, but the point being, the the Waymo, this is the beginning of a huge, massive shift that is going to happen, and it's going to coincide with 5G. Um, but think about what it means to to get into a car that you have no control over. This is, it's a risk that we perceive, but it's also an indication of this comfort with becoming more cyborg. This is just one more place where we are becoming cyborg. Um, so that was in the news. thought I'd share it. Um, that's about all I have for you guys this afternoon, and I look forward to the next time. If anything I've said today cued your interest, please send us a note. Um, love to hear from you. Until then, keep your game on against the con. This episode of IQ4U is produced by me, Chris Perez, and editor is Abigail Spar. Special thanks to our co-host, Dr. Tamara Schwartz, and all rights are reserved of this podcast to CyberCon IQ, Inc. You can listen to this podcast for free on any of your favorite platforms or by visiting us at CyberConIQ.com. <laughs>